You're listening to Germantown Community Radio, 92.9 FM, WGGT, LP, Philadelphia, and online at gtownradio.com. Welcome to Cue the Mic. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Cue the mic, cue the mic, cue the mic. It's been a minute since we're not really live, are we? We're kind of live, um, but it's our first live show, our first show of 2021. And we're glad to be back. We have some new faces. We have some old faces. We have a friend of the show who's back to chat with us tonight. So this is Dr. Renee Norris Jones, doctor, um, which means I don't take myself too serious, but it's doctor. My grandson calls me Dr. Grandmother. Maybe not with the accent, though. So I go by she, her. I will respond to dude. But yeah, this is Dr. Renee Norris Jones. I am here with my co-host, Sandy, who's been here since the beginning, I think, Sandy, right? Just about, yeah. Um, Good evening, everyone. I'm Sandy Smith. Day job, home and real estate editor at Philadelphia Magazine. Side gigs, contributing columnist to Next City and the local here in Germantown and East Falls. Uh, co- uh, one of the co-hosts on this show, in order to discourage people from sending me email addressed, Dear Ms. Smith, my pronouns are he and his. And we have a co-host that's been on before, that he's back, and so we welcome you back. Hey, everybody. Great to be back. Uh, Richard Buttercavoli. I go by Ricky. And, uh, geez, I'm a jack of all trades. Sometimes I say I'm a master of none. Um, normally, my, my, my normal gig is an event planner, uh, usually focused around political events. Of course, uh, everything's been virtual now. Um, I have a political action committee, uh, also based here in Montgomery County. And uh, I am here with my precocious pet, Greco, my, my lovable little boy. And uh, I am he, his, him. Good to Fabulous. see you. Wonderful, wonderful. And we have Herman, who's an ally of the show. Herman's going to be joining us going forward. It's just the whole background of stuff. But here, Herman, I'll let you introduce yourself. Hey, everybody. My name's Herman. Uh, I go by he, him. I'm a theater major at Community College Philadelphia. Yeah, it's CCP. Right. Yeah, at CCP. Before that, I uh, served in the Army National Guard for 11 years and did private security, contract security for um, clients, government, um, for about as long as I was in the Army. And uh, right now, I'm just trying to completely change gears and maybe not have to do anything with a gun unless it's acting. Mm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Here, here to that. And thank you for your service. You're welcome. And we have our recurring guest who's been on many a times. We have Chris Nelson from Trans Minors Rights. She's been they have been on the show. I am horrible with the pronouns. They have been on the show many of times and they're gonna join us tonight and talk about they're gonna join us for the show, but they're also gonna do our pronoun section. Chris? Thank you so much. And honestly, a lot of the time, uh, it almost means more when someone corrects themselves on my pronouns, because that means that you're trying. So thank you for that. Uh, my name you're is welcome. Chris Nelson. I'm the president and founder of Trans Miners Rights. I've been on the show a couple of times. My full-time job is a software developer. Uh, but on the side, you know, whenever I can, I do my nonprofit work for Trans Miners Rights, where we try to help transgender minors get access to puberty blockers. So feel free to check out our website, 
shameless plug, transminersrights.org. And, and can you just briefly tell us about the, um, it's not gender blockers. What did you just say? I'm sorry. And I, I know this. Puberty blockers. So puberty, puberty blockers. Okay, right. They just put a short pause on puberty. It's completely reversible. So uh, usually um, around when puberty starts developing, uh, that's when gender dysphoria starts to really come down on uh, young transgender youth. So a doctor might prescribe them puberty blockers to help uh, to stop puberty development. And then they'll have a little bit more time to decide whether they would like to start hormone replacement therapies a few years down the line. It just kind of gives them time to figure out where they want to go in their transition if they want to transition. Wow. You know, and you've been on a couple of times, you and I have conversations. We met a number of years ago before Cue the Mic at um, the International Trans Conference at the yeah, Convention. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I was there with representing Women Against Abuse, and we started a conversation. Good morning. Yeah, I love that. Uh the Philly Trans Health Conference. It's actually where yes, I changed yes. my name in 20, 2015, I think. Yeah, I went there and I decided to try on a new name, wrote Chris on the name tag. And then people from my school saw it and they were like, oh, so you're going by Chris now. I was like, okay. <laughs> and then it just kind of snowballed, but I'm really happy wow. with it. Wow. So I'm I'm getting signals from Sandy that we are all off topic. We are like all over over the schedule. So I'm going to give Sandy the floor from where we should have yeah, been a couple minutes minutes ago. Yes, yes, well, you're welcome. What, what what I'm giving you is the rundown of tonight's show. You'll hear more from Chris in just a minute uh, with why pronouns matter. After that, uh, the three of us are going to be offering our political uh, our, our political cues for the week. Um, followed by the ever-popular Gay Answers to Straight Questions, or as we know it, GASQ, uh, which is what you used to wait in in the 1970s when gasoline was embargoed. <laughs> um, and finally, we wrap up with Newsworthy or Not, our rapid-fire uh, lightning round. Um, let's start out today with uh, Today in Queer History. Um, there's an interesting... Uh, uh, Interesting item that kind of dovetails with uh, today's event. Um, on this day in 1999, Robert Eves, uh, a transgender man in the South, whose life and death was the subject of the award-winning documentary, 2001 documentary, Southern Comfort, died from complications of ovarian cancer in 1999. Um, yeah. Oh, good, good. Um, anyway, so, you know, his, uh, no doctors refused to treat him for his cancer, uh, his cancer because of the social stigma attached to transgender individuals at the time. Uh, when finally somebody accepted him for treatment in 1987, his wow. cancer already metastasized to other parts of the body, rendering any further treatments futile. I've not seen Southern Comfort, but I think I want to watch it now that I know about this person. Wow. And, and you said that was a documentary? Yes. It's called Southern Comfort? Mm-hmm. Huh. I'm writing that down. 
Well, great. Thank you so much for that. And now we're going to get back to Chris because we just kind of skipped over the, the whole kind of what we're doing tonight. Um, so she's going to do our, they, they, they are going to do our, in the studio, Fox used to have a jar where she would shake it at me going, you need to put money in the jar, money in the jar, money in the jar. Um, but they are going to do why pronouns matter. And I like to, I'm actually going to send you something later, Chris, it's something I found, found in my notes about the show, and it's about why we do pronouns matter and why pronouns matter. But I really want to share that with you at a later time to discuss it. But what do you have tonight? Uh, in terms of why pronouns matter, I feel like I might have touched on this a little bit before, but neo-pronouns. Uh, so neo-pronouns can be really confusing. Neo, N-E-O? Yes, N-E-O pronouns. So okay. neo-pronouns okay. are uh, any pronouns that are... I <laughs> The only way I think I can think to describe it is sort of like outside the norm. Um, so it's not she or he or they... But some people might go by a Zier or um, even it, it's. I'm not sure if it, it's is considered a neo-pronoun um, or not. But some people are more comfortable with pronouns outside of uh, the binary and not using they, them, either because they, them sounds plural or it's just because they're not comfortable using that kind of pronoun. So somebody who's non-binary or agender or outside of the... Uh, gender binary might want to use neo-pronouns and they can be difficult for some people to understand and accept but it's still really important to try to respect those pronouns and use them in any way that you can because if you care about the person you want to make sure that you're respecting them uh like dr you know, I'm, gonna interrupt you for one second. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna interrupt you for one second the z i've heard of that before is a zi um, I think there's like XI and then XI. XI. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and what are they again? It's XI. Uh, XI and XIR, but there's all sorts of like Fay, Fair are some neo pronouns. There are some people who identify as Fay gender, uh, which is, I believe, um, a gender identity that's more aligned with femininity, but not necessarily a woman. Uh, I could be wrong on that, though. <laughs> again, there's Google. Feel free to look up a list of neo pronouns uh, later on if you would like to. Um, but for sure, yeah. So it's just it's one of those things where it's it can be difficult to understand, but it's really important because, like I was mentioning before, gender dysphoria it can be really crippling for some people. And things that help prevent gender dysphoria is just having supportive people in your life. So if you have somebody who's one hundred percent there for you and tries their best to respect your pronouns and your gender identity and any steps that you take in your transition that can literally be life-saving. You know, um, this is why I think um, introducing um, LGBTQ curriculum in our schools mm -hmm. are really important. Um, and I wanted to know, do you know if anything's being done in the uh, academic fields, um, particularly um, within the, you know, English lit, you know, English and writing fields, where um, professors or, or people have tried to rewrite, you know, in textbooks today, teaching um, our students on, you know, the pronouns, 
we now have a new set of pronouns and there's you know like one you know the common ones that we know like they them and then of course the subcategory uh of the neo pronouns um and uh, i i think that's fascinating i'm very curious to see if um folks in the world of academia are now exploring this so it we don't have to think about it anymore particularly you know when you when you're taught it at a very early age you know it just becomes you know natural um uh i'm, I'm wondering if that kind of work's being done right now it, it is it actually is so i teach mba courses and part of my and i just am kind of a um an APA, um, I don't know what to call it when you're kind of, so I'm, I'm always grading papers, always. I have about two dozen to do tonight, so I'm constantly APA, correcting APA, um, teaching students that scholarly writing is very technical, and there's a lot of corrections with APA, but APA, um, they have address pronouns and seven seven just came out uh i want to say within the last year but it's just it came out a year within the last year um and within the it, it came out a year ago but now it's heavily used edition seven edition six was around for 10 years but in edition seven they have she her they them and they're singular um, for me, reading and using they, them, it's an adjustment because I'm so used to correcting students with how they're writing. Or I get students that go, so we are going to do, no, 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 it's not we, it's just you. So I'm heavy into the APA and correcting the APA. So I think there's an adjustment for me with they, them, because I'm so used to reading it and, and correcting it. Doesn't excuse it, but I just wanted to say for APA style, it is in there. I'll I'll just, I'll be curious to know um, if, um, you know, textbooks uh, have been written yet uh, somewhere around the world, maybe the UK, where they're much more progressive with this, um, you know, in, you know, um, elementary school uh, English uh, grammar books, if, if this is now being introduced. May uh, I note that you know, the journalism profession has had to deal with this too. Uh, and it, it sort of came up before dealing with the subject of, you know, transgender individuals. We've had the problem for years of coming up with a pronoun to refer to a non-specific person, you know, as in, you know, English for centuries has used he as a default in such cases. And the feminists have rightly pointed mm. out that this leaves out half half the people were writing about. Um, right. Well, the Associated Press lifted a great weight. You know, that's the other AP, the one more people are familiar with. <laughs> the uh, Associated Press style book lifted a great weight off our shoulders when about two years ago, they okayed the use of singular they for such uh, constructs. And they pointed out in doing so that actually the word has been used as a singular pronoun for hundreds of years. Um, usually for maybe the phrase you might be most familiar with in which it appears is everyone is entitled to their opinion. Everyone is actually a singular noun. <laughs> but 
this now makes it useful so that, you know, when we now have a specific person who identifies as gender non-binary, we can also use they directly to refer to them. And for a general readership, no, no offense meant to those who use the neo-pronouns, it's still going to be a lot easier for people to wrap their brains around they than around C or here or Z or, you know, that's going to take a little less education than the other thing would. We dinosaurs, I think, can get they easily. <laughs> yes. I don't think people realize how often they use they, them pronouns in a singular fashion. Like, I think uh, in terms of just our vernacular, we use it as a default for the most part when we don't know the gender of a person. Like, if I said, oh, somebody dropped our mail off and they crushed the package. You know, that sounded natural. They crushed the package. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you probably didn't yes. even pick it up that I used that word because it it just rolls off the tongue. Right. Uh, so it shouldn't be that difficult to switch over to using they them for people who request it. Um, but in terms of education on this particular topic uh, in elementary schools, like grade schools, I would really like for it to be pushed. Um, I live in a rather conservative area. I live in Lancaster County. Uh, so this has not been a huge topic of conversation in my area, at least. Um, I hope the cities catch up a little faster. But um, one of the missions for trans minors' rights is to hopefully start to be introduced to schools so that we can educate on puberty blockers and pronouns and transgender youth, because we do have them. Like There have already been issues where somebody transgender comes out at a local school in middle or high school and they don't know how to deal with it. So they're, it's it's being taken step by step, you know, worrying about bathrooms, locker rooms, and hopefully starting to introduce some kind of education along the way. And, and yep. support. Um, I think sometime last year, there was a transgender suicide hotline. I don't remember. I, I need to dig up the number, but I, I, it came yeah, out within there, a list. There is yeah. a transgender suicide hotline. I don't have the number with me right now. Um, but one thing that I do want to mention about it, some people have said that the trans suicide hotline is 24-7. It is not. Uh, the national suicide hotline is 24-7. The trans suicide hotline is only between a specific number of hours. It's completely volunteer. Um, wow. So, yeah, so just know that if they don't pick up, they might not be there right exactly at that moment, but you can try again in a couple hours. Right, Did, and then, so, there. I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. Didn't you have something, Renee, in our pre-show text chat about a new three-digit number for the national yes. suicide hotline? Yes, 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 I will pull that up. I, I will definitely pull yeah, that up. I'm sorry, I, um, I dropped the ball on that, guys. I think I... That's okay. That's uh, okay. I was um, to do as as founder of the Montgomery County LGBT Business Council and um, someone who has uh, experienced depression and suicidal thoughts. Um, I made sure the national suicide hotline um, is posted on every single page of the Montgomery County LGBT Business Council at the bottom of the page. I'm going to uh, recommend to our new president, Melissa Buckmonster, that we add that uh, trans hotline as well. Thanks for bringing that up, Chris. Yeah, and then it, and then it's the one for teens. Uh, then, well, I only know the national, and of course the one Chris spoke about. Yeah, I'm sorry, my brain is just going. 
but anyway, we'll we'll come back to that. But but uh, if you can in, mention that number at the end of the the show, Ricky, that would be great for, for the national one. Um, so I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, so uh, real quick, I want to say. So I'm still on the ABA, the APA um, style page, um, and they say, "What is singular they?" The singular they is a generic third person pronoun used in English. It's not only third person singular pronoun. It's not the only one. Other third person singular pronouns are she and he, as well as the less common z and hen, h-e-n. Is that, have you heard of that before? I thought it was like z and here, but sure, it might be. Maybe it's a typer or something. No, it says z, z-e, and then h-e-n. And yeah, it says, although, yeah, so he, it says in here, although they singular might seem unfamiliar, they gave the same example, different example that you gave, a person should enjoy their vacation. And that's similar to what you said. We use it more than we think we do. Yeah, I actually, uh, on a related note, had an issue with this where I was being interviewed about trans minors rights in, I think, 2016. And when I told them that my pronouns were they, them, and I wanted them to use they, them in the article, they told me that they couldn't for grammatical reasons and they didn't publish it. They didn't publish the whole article or just that They just wouldn't publish the article because they wouldn't, they refused to use they, them pronouns in a singular fashion in the article. Wow. Wow. Yeah, Mm. it was insane. You know, um, style book. Yeah, we need to get every and and Chris, you have a style book, correct? Uh, like a pronoun style book. Yeah, I, it's from the it's from journalists, but it was I thought I gave you one when you were in the studio or when you came to the event Quite with the National Gay and Lesbian. If not, I, I can make sure everyone gets one. But it's it's what you were referring to, Sandy, correct? Or that's yeah. our yeah. A style book is a common tool used in the media. Just about every media outlet, print and broad, print broadcast and online, uses it determines how that particular outlet will use terms. Covers things like the use of datelines and stories, how organizations are referred to on first and follow-up references, um, defines certain terms that may be obscure for the for the user, and it sets out basic rules of grammar like the one we just described here. All right. Right. There was one in there and it has terms in there that we've probably heard over time. I remember one of them being a bull dagger or. Uh, oh, now that dates you. Yes. Yes, that does date me. But those terms are in there. I mean, just some of the terms that we've heard or we've not heard and it lets you know this is proper. This is not improper. So it's almost like a little dictionary. Um, so we'll definitely have to get that out there. Um, but we're going to move on because Sandy keeps trying to keep me on task. Um, so we are going to move on to, I'm sorry, did you want to add anything else to that, Chris, before we moved on? No, I'm good. Thank the you. Pronouns. Okay. Um, so we're going to move on to political cues, Q as in queers. Uh, but so we have a couple things for that because we know there's been a lot of political things that's going on and Sandy, Herman and Ricky all have a little bit to say about that. So, Ricky, you go first. Okay, I have a bunch, um, and I won't go into them in any detail uh, unless y'all want to talk about it. 
uh, really important. It is very important that everybody gets out to vote in the primary election in Pennsylvania this year. There is something going on called um, uh, judicial gerrymandering. Um, this could have a huge impact on the LGBT community. So basically, they want to gerrymander the Supreme Court and the appellate courts in Pennsylvania. Um, so rather than have one Supreme Court and, um, you know, an appellate court, which would be superior and uh, Commonwealth courts, um, they want to break it up into regions. Um, this could have devastating effects for LGBT community, you know, things when it comes to, you know, bills for trans bathrooms or policies and in, in, in school policies. And it ends up going to court because if these um, uh, court cases end up in. Um, Explain this to me. We wouldn't have one Supreme Court, but like six or seven of them. That's, that's exactly correct. Um, so, um, it's House Bill 196. It passed the PA House on December 18th. And snuck in right in there December 18th. On July 15th. They're trying to bring this, trying to do this very, very quickly. Uh, behind closed doors, practically. Um, the bill is to amend the Constitution that no longer provides statewide elections to the Supreme Court superior court and commonwealth court instead the elections to those courts would be distributed to judicial reasons thus election to the supreme court will be conducted in separate separate regions with each region electing one justice to the court and the purpose of the proposed amendment is disgustingly clear um, the regions yet to be drawn or defined uh, by the party in control um, would eventually guarantee bias supreme a biased Supreme Court, which in turn would certainly guarantee a judicial blind eye to a host of voter suppression and voter rigging decisions. Um, now I get a, a, a thief would, would steal uh, in defiance of the law. Um, well, the bill needs to be voted on for a second time in the state legislature, and if passed prior to the spring primary election. The amendment will appear on the primary ballots. Um, so, and the reason why they're putting it in the primary ballots is because they know most folks don't come out for a primary. So we have to make sure we get everyone out there to vote in the primary and make sure everybody understands this issue. Um, so that's one thing I wanted to throw out there. Uh, uh, so quickly. we want everyone to vote no on that bill, right? Can you explain? Well, so we have to see how they're going to word it. Yeah, exactly. We have to wait. This we don't know how they're going to word it, so I can't say vote no or vote yes. Yeah, okay. until we see how they they so just they, keep an eye out. We must yeah. keep an eye out on it, right. please. There's <laughs> all kinds of town halls by fair districts going on. Um, so if, spread the word about fair districts, PA. They're the ones that are out there trying to educate folks on this. Um, the next one, which... And, 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 and Ricky, if you can just keep us up to date with that weekly so we can kind of see things as they're happening so it's not like this last minute rush to, to kind of do that. So we would Absolutely. definitely like to keep abreast Absolutely. of that. Fabulous. Absolutely. Happy to do that. This um, has been very near and dear to me for many years. 
Um, it is House Bill 1423, which is the Forced Arbitration Repeal Act. So way back when, um, you know, we, we've been forced to sign arbitration agreements um, and non-disclosure acts. Uh, when we uh, take a job on, a new job, we're, we're we're, we're asked to sign these arbitration agreements. Uh, even in consumer contracts, we sign arbitration agreements and non-disclosure clauses. This has hurt uh, the LGBT community. Um, this is an important issue to me because the co-founder um, uh, with the Montgomery County LGBT Business Council signed an arbitration agreement and then ended up getting... Um, uh, I don't want to use profanity, but it was detrimental, and he ended up losing his job. Um, took them to court. Of course, he signed an arbitration agreement. Now, why is this really important? Even if we pass an equality bill at the federal level or the state level, and then we go into our jobs and sign an arbitration agreement, guess what? means nothing. These laws mean nothing because we're signing our rights away to a private arbitrator who is usually in favor of, of the company that has done this to us. So very important. Keep your eye on that. It has been passed by Congress. It's now sitting in the Senate. Now that we have a new Senate, um, I am been contacting my senators uh, to get this pushed and my congresswoman, um, Congress folk out there. Um, I want them to know, you know, I let them know it's on my radar and I hope they're going to get this done. This would be huge. Uh, um, I consider this one of the greatest civil right violations um, in our generation, private, the privatization of the courts. Um, one last thing, uh, three suburban Philadelphia townships here in Montgomery County have uh, enacted um, LGBT non-discrimination uh, or inclusive anti-bias ordinances uh, with, I think, it in September, Upper Gwinnett, Whippane Township, and Montgomery Township, um, They that it, which now brings, I believe, the number in Montgomery County uh, to 26, 26 municipalities. Uh, so we lead the state here in Montgomery County in passing these ordinances. I am so proud of that. Um, I think we have 40, uh, over 40 uh, statewide, but Montgomery County leads the pack. And, and that's my that's my shtick on uh, politics. Thank you. Very informative. Herman, Herman, what do you have for us? Not a whole lot. We've got, we got the inauguration coming up and the whole mess that went down in the Capitol. You know, I was, I was a former Army National Guardsman, so I, I see what they're... I see what they're going through, and uh, man, I'm just glad I'm out to Army National Guard. Yeah, uh, so so what does that look like? So for you, when you said what's going on, so right now from the news I heard, I think early this morning, it's just saying that, you know, all the capitals and all the states, everyone's getting ready. Um, yeah. That has Have we ever had anything like that where the whole nation is, where you guys are getting ready for the whole nation? So, I mean... We do a lot of things in anticipation of criminal terrorist acts. Back in, I think it was 2015, the Pope came to Philly. And if you guys were around here, you've seen National Guardsmen posted all over downtown Philly. I was one of them. Um, I was a staff sergeant at the time, and I was in control of an area right on Spring Garden. 
like uh, from uh, from Fifth Street down to Delaware Avenue, if I remember correctly. So that whole section there, and they they had the couple federal buildings. I know um, FEMA was there, their management centers and um, uh, fire department too. And um, with all the riots and lately um, that came out of the George Floyd protests and on towards the spring and summer, more and more of them have been out there and they were armed. Part of it's just a like a protocol. Thing A happens, trigger response to this, so okay. forth and so forth. And um, now at the Capitol, it's, it's sort of it's sort of like business as usual. And I knew that if Trump would not get reelected, I knew the Republicans would throw a fit. I just did not think they would throw a fit to this extent. And to the point now, they're trying to shift the blame onto Antifa saying, oh, they're the ones that's really disguised as Trump supporters, you know, causing all the trouble, which is ridiculous. But it's it's for the guardsmen, you know, wherever you stand politically, it's, you know, this is what, you know, we, we signed up to do. And hopefully we, uh, then it all comes, it all comes down to like who's in command, because I've had some really bad commanders. Some of them, have took the uh, there's good people on both sides type stances that make me sick, and some people try to try to speak out uh, against what was going on. There was an Army National Guard commander that was um, in charge of the um, the the incident that happened in Lafayette Square in D.C. I think it was back in June, uh, but it was in response to the George Floyd, the George Floyd protests and um, he, yeah, he, he testified against the, the D.C. police um, for just going way too hard on civilians, civilians that weren't even at the protests. And it all, I believe it came down to a miscommunication of when they changed the, uh, the, um, the, uh, what do you call it when you, uh, the times where you have to be off the street. I'm really free. My memory is so curfew, bad. Uh, curfew. Curfew. Yes, curfew. I'm sorry. Wow. I, That's okay. Lots of concussions I've had. Um, so, yeah, they changed <laughs> curfew <Sunday>. times. Yeah, <laughs> they changed the curfew times, and uh, it didn't come down the chain correctly, and then, you know, violence happened. So, but, you know, he, he testified against, you know, the police, and I don't think anything came of his testimony, but... You do have you do have people in the ranks that are like, hey, this is bad. What are we doing? And then, I mean, when it comes down to it, the Army National Guard is a reflection of who we are as America. It's it's a volunteer force, and volunteer force is going to have people from all types of different political inclinations in the ranks. I have an so, Army Guardsman for. Go ahead. I'm sorry. He's like me, he's black. Uh-huh. And we've been discussing the whole situation in Washington, you know, a fair bit. Right, right. It's it's hard. I'm I'm glad I'm not in that position anymore where I have to sit and choose, like, you know you they they give you ammunition and they don't want you to use it. But you might have to use it. And the people you might have to use it on could be your neighbors. Wow. And 
you know, it, it. I mean, I've been on both sides of the situation, person holding the gun and then being pointed at with a gun, and I get it. But, you know, when 2016 came around and Trump took office, I decided that I was not going to reenlist. I was not going to reenlist for other reasons um, because I was just really, really hating the job. But when, yeah, when he took office, I was like, there's no way I'm taking orders with him and going to be okay with it. So that was my first protest, um, not reenlisting. And um, I separated from the army in May of 2017. Okay. And then um, I, my, my reason was, you know, what, what the army told me was, you know, you know, you're supposed to die for this country. Right. And I've been into, I've been to Iraq and I, I learned what I'm willing to die for. And I, I was not willing to, if I'm going to die for something, I want it to be on my terms. I want my freedom back to choose. And so that's why I got out. And, um, it, kind of taught me some sense of self-worth wow. um yeah and then so i i don't want to be down there you know shooting at my friends or you know throwing tear gas at my friends because because they're protesting police violence like it, it right, right it's i don't want to be in that position anymore because i know i'm going to i'm going to flip out and so that's why i got out um, How's it been since you've left? How's it been since you left? Is it a was it a good decision? Are you finding some peace? Let's just say my friend said it looked like I started aging backwards. <laughs> and it's been <laughs> such it's been such a relief off my shoulders. Um, everybody was like, "Oh man, you're gonna regret it." Blah blah blah. You're gonna want to go back. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to be. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with it more than I need to be. So I don't regret it, and I don't think I'm going back. I'm probably and, getting. And, and, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. and, and you know, it, it, uh, I was just going to say, you're being a theater theater major is a the whole 360 from that. It's a 360 or 180 from that. You know, from being in that position and then right. being a theater major, it's like from almost from stress to joy. That'd be 180. One eighty. <laughs> oh yeah, that would yeah, be a yeah, 180. Yeah, 360 would be all around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, it, it really is because you know I got out. So, like in Army National Guard, um, the units are usually made up locally. Um, so Philly, most of the units here mainly black and Latino, and 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 within that, a lot of the a lot of them are actually cops and firefighters too. So, wow. and you know, being friends with them, we the we they know they know what's going on. I, ha- I had some friends, a black friend of mine who was a cop, was a cop. He was fired recently for trying to expose racism in the Philadelphia Police Department. Actually fired. Imagine that. Uh, and but yet they don't get fired for murdering people. No, they don't. And he was in the paper. He was fired for allegedly um, fraud, making fraudulent paperwork to uh, for overtime wow. during an, an arrest or something. And you're like... Oh wow! They fired a black cop over paperwork. Cool, nice. Uh-huh. Um, I was part of a investigation on NBC Ten about um, racist practice and and um, and their recruiting that you know prevented people of color to become cops. So if people wanted to, there's a when I went out to I, I tried to uh, become a cop a few years back, and 
what struck me was there's a lot of minorities that actually want to become cops because they want to change the way policing is done. And, well, they were preventing that. So, um, this subject that I think I'd like to return to for a future episode, even if it isn't quite in our wheelhouse, it's something right. that a lot of us, you know, especially yeah. hoods like Germantown, where crime mm-hmm. is a problem, for instance, on my side of it. And yeah, I Germantown. Mm-hmm. That that's that that's that's important. I think that needs to be spread more often. You know, every time I see the head of our FOP lodge, John Nesby, issue a statement about somebody black who's critical of the police, you can tell that it's you know he 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 makes little effort to hide his racism. Very little. Oh, it's it. I mean, let's talk. I mean, we can mention the. The, the police officers that were down there at the uh, at the Capitol incident. I mean, yeah, there's that. But there was also a lot of military people um, currently serving or retired involved in planning that thing, too. So, wow. 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 That's, I'm, uh... glad I'm, out. I'm glad I'm out. If anyone is listening to this and you feel like you need to get out because it's transforming into something you just can't morally approve of, do it. Get out. actually joined uh my husband joined the national guard in 2015 2014 2015 um under obama and it quickly went downhill when um was inaugurated Uh, yeah yeah and so he he wanted to get out the last couple of years but he actually um his uh time is up i guess in february the six years that he's required or whatever, so he's not coming back after that. But I think the thing that's been astounding me the most in terms of the Capitol riot uh, was the response time was so lacking because I saw with my own eyes, like in Lancaster a couple of months ago, uh, shortly after the George Floyd thing, they uh, there was a cop that killed a person of color and the guy's body was still on the ground, still warm. Mm when trucks and trucks of police and National Guard were being called up to try and, like, you know, put down any sort of protest that was going to crop up. And they were there immediately. And my husband was called up to Philly when there were riots there for about George Floyd, when there were protests there. And he was there for, like, two and a half weeks, like, preparing to make sure nothing happened. And then the Capitol was stormed and nothing happened for like hours and hours and hours they just kept putting it off so it's it's very sad um that when you talk about all this and somebody who is somebody who's a i like to be a change maker and and create visual change i always visual change that's my biggest thing um um when you can't create that change from within and you end up leaving just as Herman said, if you're going to leave, if you all want to leave, leave, but try to create the change from outside the circle then and speak up and have a voice and start, um, you know, I don't know, a Facebook page, any an organization to bring yeah. attention to everything. You know, I, 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 I totally agree. I think this is a great way to, to end this segment. We're definitely going to have to come back to it. Herman, you were going to say something? I was going to say uh, that is the biggest lie I've ever been told in the military that if you want to if you want to be the change, go go up and rank and, you know, exert it from, you know, within. Uh, 
every single person I've tried to change was against me because they're trying to, they just want to keep the status quo. So that's just a bunch of bullcrap they tell you. And um, uh, I wanted to say uh, real quick, National Guard response times are so weird. Like I, I responded to things when I was in and sometimes it's like right on the, on the, on the, right on, just right on time. They're there. Sometimes they're just dragging along. Um, they're, they're in force in DC now, but like, there's a lot of moving parts and um, this is no way like a, a defense of well, what's going on there because there are national guard commanders who are on Trump's side. And they're probably—I wouldn't be surprised if they're like, "Hey, you mm. know, let's give this a day or two, while others right. may be like get those guys geared up and out there right now." So, right, right. Um, yeah, so, so I, I think next week we're going to have okay. a good topic of this, depending because we have the inauguration coming up um, on Thursday, Thursday the twentieth, right? Uh, Wednesday the twentieth. Wednesday. Oh my and goodness, I, I have like pandemic brain. Yes. And before we. Um, Go to the next segment. Let's give a quick shout out to a couple of people who we should perhaps acknowledge who will be, you know, assuming office that day. One, of course, is Vice President Kamala Harris, who is the first woman, the first black and the first Asian to to assume the office of vice president. You're Uh, here to that. Yes, we we hit the trifecta with her. (laughs) Uh, The other uh, is of interest to me because transportation is a subject of mine, uh, but it is Transportation Secretary Key. Uh, everybody repeat after me. His last name is pronounced Buttigieg. <laughs> um, he, he is now the first openly gay person to ever be appointed to a presidential cabinet, and he's unusual among people in the field of transportation that he is not in the transportation industry. He was a mayor of a city. You know, South Bend is small, but uh, it's a, that actually makes it a good laboratory for transportation policy. He said some encouraging things that I hope he can do. One of the things he wants to do is undo the damage urban freeways have done on especially, you know, lower income neighborhoods. Hmm. And and um, I'm going to talk about this next week, but I really want to know what that looks like. For urban neighborhoods, but we'll save that for next week. Yes. Uh, give people a reason to come back. But we got to do gas queue. We're just running out of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and Chris, our guest, has our gas queue. Yes, I did think of one. Uh, so when I came out as non-binary, and when I tell people that I'm non-binary, there are lots of questions about my husband's sexuality. Is he gay? Is he bisexual? You know what's going on. Uh, and there's been a lot of discussion that I've had with other people who are non-binary, other people who are trans, who are in relationships that appear to be heterosexual. When my husband and I started dating, it was almost eight years ago now. Uh, I had not come out. Um, I was still living my life as a woman, and he is a cisgender man. So when we got together, he was a straight man. I was a bisexual woman. We appeared to be a straight relationship. And when I came out, we were thinking about, like, what does this make him? Because he kept getting all of these questions, and we were trying to think of some sort of label that would fit for him that included me. And it just got 
really confusing. And anytime that I tried to talk to somebody else in the non-binary or trans community, they would talk about how, well, that sexuality excludes me from the picture or whatever. Um, and I think at this point in terms of sexuality, since gender has become so expansive, we just have to accept that everyone chooses a label that fits them the best. So my husband is a straight man, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't love me just because I'm non-binary. You know, he's still attracted to me and we still have a healthy relationship regardless of the label that he chooses to put on himself. So I think that we just need to be a little more lenient with labels and mm -hmm. not worry so much about how other people conduct their relationships. Right. I, I hadn't I, thought about this, and I know some people still object to it, but this actually strikes me as a very good reason why queer is actually a very useful word. You know. So I was, it, I'm sorry, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I was in um, Chris's husband's position um, last year. I was dating a non-binary person. Um, we broke up for completely unrelated re uh, reasons, but we're still like good friends now. But um, they're non-binary, and um, it looked like a heterosexual relationship. Um, they're, you know, they were born female at birth. Um, all intents and purposes looked female. But, you know, seen pictures of them when they were more male-looking. And I just remember, um, so that's kind of a cute boy. And then I'm like, okay, where's that taking me? So, but you know, I talked about it with my friends and stuff like that. And it's like, we, we zeroed it down to, hey, you're just really attracted to femininity. I'm like, all right. And then it was like, so it was like, am I, was, was I in a queer relationship? I'm like, the jury says kind of, I don't know. I'm at, at this point, I'm really not that bothered by the label. I'm like, hey, I liked a person, they liked me, we tried it didn't work out for reasons and we moved on um and um it's it, it was it was real it was just that little tip of the iceberg thing because now people started like looking at me differently um you know where i live um a lot of people thought you know i was gay because i had purple hair at some point it's it's you know, I, I, my mom is from the Philippines and she's very, very Catholic. So, you know, um, she, she wouldn't approve of that at all. I don't think, um, but I think, yeah, when it came down to it, it was, um, it was, um, I, I guess it didn't, it didn't really matter to, it only matters to the people involved. And, um, it's, I spent a lot of time trying to like parse this and figure out where I fit. And I was, I was introduced to the idea that, Hey, just think of it as like a spectrum. You're not mm. necessarily in one category or the other, but like, right, Hey, right. if you're, you're, you're attracted to, you know, femininity, I guess I, that still I, makes I, me a cis straight guy. I can't tell you how many times I've had to ex um, explain the gender spectrum <laughs> to um, um, heterosexual folks that just don't right. understand. And, um, you know, a, 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 there's often times where a man um, uh, presents very feminine, 
but mm -hmm. is very heterosexual. And I, oh, I, I have to explain these to folks now. You cannot make assumptions whatsoever on way people present. Um, my, yeah, my best friend in the Army, I've known him about two to three years before I figured out he was gay. And this was like early 2010, so it's like, you know, he couldn't really be himself. Um, and then it was that I was deployed uh, to Kuwait at the time, and I believe he was stationed in Germany and then went on leave to Hawaii. And he was on Facebook and like kissing a dude. I'm like, oh, he's like, yeah, that's my boyfriend. I was like, I didn't even know you're gay. And he, and he was like, dude, I am so gay. You don't even know. <laughs> and then he got out. And then he and then I remember he was like, he's not like super flamboyant. Like if you spoke to him, like, oh, it's just a dude that just likes dudes. And then I have friends who are just, you know, very flamboyant and like that. And it's, it's, yeah, that's right. it goes the, it goes the opposite way too. So, mm -hmm. you know, you have hyper masculine folks that mm -hmm. are, are gay. Um, yeah. You can't, you can't say, Oh, that guy's definitely straight. He's so hyper masculine. Um, so again, there's this gender spectrum and yeah, it, like um, same thing where they assume things about gender like oh well that person really likes sports so that makes them masculine and this person paints their nails so that makes them feminine but that's not really how it works like when yeah. i came out as non-binary it was like everyone was trying to do the math to like well <laughs> yeah you like cars but you also like doing makeup sometimes and it's like that doesn't have anything to do with anything like i know men who like doing makeup and they're straight <laughs> like i have a, right. my uncle is a photographer a fashion photographer and he's super straight like <laughs> <laughs> like he has only ever dated women and been interested in women and he's a fashion photographer where that industry is very uh mm -hmm. like there are a lot of gay men in the industry but i think this makes it so much oh. easier for kids today um uh you know they're they're really lucky that they don't have to be so confused i, I made lgbt history in montgomery county for raising the pride flag for the first time nice. i was very very excited so all of a sudden um but again i think it's much easier for kids today to get through this um although yeah, there's definitely a difference in ages like even with me like i'm uh, almost 27 and when I was growing up like you didn't even talk about gay I didn't even know what trans was until I was like 18 but then my sister one day she's like seven years younger than me was introducing me to her friends uh, when she was like an older teen and they all asked what my pronouns were and everyone was super respectful of it and wow. that was like the coolest experience ever was just being around young people who all seemed to understand and they weren't afraid to like talk about it that's great I would like wow. to. I was going to say. I was, was going to say. Sandy was going to say something. What are you saying, Sandy? I'd like to exit this segment. We do need to move on with my catch-all phrase that kind of like sums this up in a single sentence. The Kinsey scale is not binary. Wow. You go from zero to six, and every number in between. Well, I'm going to officially end this segment with. I purchased a book called "I Am Jazz." And it's the story of a transgender child based on real life experience of Jazz Jenkins, who has become a spokesperson for trans kids everywhere. She's amazing. I've met her once or twice. She's oh, wow. Very yeah, nice. She's, 
she comes to the Philly Trans Health Conference every once in a while. And wow. she's, yeah, she's an incredibly amazing person. She transitioned very she young. Um, yeah. I think she's in college now. She's like 19. Right. Uh, but she started transitioning, I think, when she was like six. And oh, wow. her family's been doing activism for the trans community ever since then. Right. Well, right. she had her own show on, on cable TV, and I think that really helped the trans community and, and actually helped parents, I think, be accepting of their trans child. She talks so openly about, like, her hormones and surgeries and everything. Wow. It's really cool. Yeah. Wow. Um, I, well. I know we're, we're trying to close this segment up, but I have to say I'm, I'm so emotional at times when I see the acceptance of a lot of parents of trans kids, especially the ones that accept them at very early ages, like four and five. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just, um, it really warms my heart that they're so brave to go through this uh, for their child that they love. And there's Huge success stories out there of these folks, uh, of these kids that transition early. Not only are they emotionally um, balanced, but they are top in their class. Um, wow. these, these kids are straight-A students and involved in all aspects of their school um, because they now have the confidence of, of who they are and accept, their parents accept, their friends accept. And um, I just love seeing these stories when I come across them. And a lot of yep. people get really nervous when it comes to trans kids because they think like kids are getting surgeries. It's just a social transition when they're younger. It's nothing right. like there's not any sort of medical intervention until at least the stages of puberty. And even then it's reversible treatments. So, you know, it's just loving and respecting your child. Yes. And, and giving them room to go. And with that, we're going to move on to our final very quick segment, and it's newsworthy or not. It's very quick things that happened during the course of the week or the month that we just wanted to kind of bring out there. It's a really quick, and we get kind of some uh, quick reaction. So I'm going to start off. I read that, and this is uh, uh, Uno, you know, the card game Uno. There was a nonpartisan edition. What? I <laughs> was it ever a partisan game? <laughs> they took out the red and the blue. Oh, fine. <laughs> well, they took and 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 there's some other cards in there, some blank cards or something. But yeah, there's a whole nonpartisan edition. It's a hearty laugh. <laughs> I like it, but I have to read about that. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just want to throw in real quick: the National Rifle Association has filed for bankruptcy and plans to move. Uh, to Texas. Good. So, so um, oh. basically, uh, the New York Attorney General is seeking to audit and dissolve the NRA. Um, as of the moment, it is a New York corporation. Um, by filing in Texas, a, a federal bankruptcy court, the NRA seeks to is dissolve the New York and reincorporate in Texas, thinking it can avoid accountability in New York and move its assets to Texas. Here's another one, okay? So we're about to celebrate the inauguration of Joe Biden on Wednesday, but of course Donald Trump can't help but make it all about him. He wants to go out with one last trip on Air Force One and, quote, a, celebra a celebratory send-off 
with like marching bands and all the pomp and circumstance. No. Thanks for wasting more of our taxpayer dollars. Yes. <laughs> yeah. With that, we're going to give a friendly. I lived in Texas for a bit, so we're going to give a bye, y'all, because y'all is um, it covers everyone. The singular um, plural is all y'all. <laughs> oh, there you go. There I'm you a y'all fan too. You can find our podcast on iTunes, the Google Play Store, Podomatic, TuneIn, Spotify, and Alexa. Great seeing y'all. Bye, y'all. You've been listening to the mic on Germantown Community Radio, 92.9 FM, WGGTLP, Philadelphia, and online at gtownradio.com. See you next week. <laughs>